Welcome to Sports and Brews with the Boys. Welcome back, boys. This is episode 5, Firestone or Fire Sale. During today's pod, we will be sipping on a beer called Nitro Merlin by Firestone Walker Brewing Company. Stay tuned to find out our solo cup rating at the end. We will also be talking about J.J. Watt, predicting some of the top free agency landing spots, top teams with money to spend, some intriguing rule changes, and lastly, something that hits close to home. While Bean pours us some of the Nitro Merlin, let's start off today's episode with a little mini game called Firestone or Fire Sale, where we're going to choose teams and predict whether they're going to stay put and write out the roster we have, or sell the house or break the bank during free agency. Starting off with the Texans. Texans is definitely a fire sale. That team is dumpster fire, and they need to sell it all. I think they're definitely on the fire sale end. I mean, with the whole Deshaun Watson stuff going on, I don't see why they would keep the roster they have and might as well just start to rebuild. I think they've already started their fire sale by J.J. Watt leaving. Deshaun Watson's close to being on the move from what it sounds like. Fire sale. Their fire sale hasn't even gotten started yet. Deshaun Watson's still on that roster. So, definite fire sale. Raiders. I think they could potentially be a firestone. I mean, that the roster ain't too bad. They can maybe pick up one or two free agents, but not maybe not like splash signings. Yeah, the Raiders are still in this little window where they haven't even lived up to expectations yet. So I definitely see them kind of being Firestone, but like what Asher just said, being being open to free agency signings and bringing in a couple key guys. I think their team is relatively young. I'm going to say Firestone. I don't think they're in a sell, a sell now, and I don't think they're in like a huge buy now either. So I would say Firestone. Well, they also just traded away their tackle to the Patriots today. Yeah, Trent Brown. But... I don't think that kind of defines where what they're doing or where they're at. Uh, what do you guys think about the Eagles? Eagles is for sure fire sale. They have a lot of cap to move, and I think after you get rid of Carson Wentz, I think you're only putting yourself even even more of a situation where you need to sell. I definitely think they're on a fire sale, especially after trading Wentz. That whole defense is being paid a lot while the offense doesn't really have anyone around Hurts. I mean... Deshaun Jackson's not on the team. Alshon Jeffrey's still on the team? Yeah. I mean, they're gonna cut, he's not too bad, but like they're, they're what, more than likely going to cut him. They're going to cut Malik Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey, but they just have to wait until after the June 1st because it's the way their contracts are. I don't think they have a solid enough core like other teams to be considered Firestone. Uh, sell some of the defense to help build the offense. Because, I mean, the defense ain't bad. Like the defensive front, at least the secondary could use a little bit, but give you got to give uh, someone hurts on the offensive side to help them out. I feel like well, hopefully that's what they do with the sixth overall pick is bring in somebody like Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase, and he has another weapon. They restructured almost their whole entire offensive line. They're creating cap space, but their defense is filled with aging players who are pretty much strapping their whole team with cap. Yeah, I think Fletcher Cox has got to be the next guy to go. Didn't they just say Brandon Brooks is on the block? Yeah, I think with Brandon Brooks, the whole situation was maybe he didn't want to restructure his deal, so they're seeing what maybe they can get for him. 
But what do you guys think about the Saints? The Saints are definitely over cap. They're in a fire sale. I mean, you have Breeze's last year, maybe if he comes back. He was already talking about retiring. Um, if he comes back, they might be in a fire stone. Maybe like a core, but I think they're still fire sale. They got a free cap and find a way to put this team in playoff contention and where they're at right now, I don't see they're really at like a core spot. Pretty much the way the Saints are is they're not even at a spot where they can even play next season because they're over the cap. They still have to clear all this cap space and then they can figure out the pieces for them to move on for next season. That's why everyone kind of wants to say that they're going to ride with Jameis Winston next year, but they have to re-sign him. He's not even on their roster next year. So they're in a definitely in a tough situation, but I agree. Um, I think they're going to be a fire sale. There's so uncertainty at the quarterback position over there because Breeze has still not, I haven't heard anything, still hasn't said, yes, I'm for sure coming back, or no, I'm for sure retired. And then they haven't made any plans on signing Winston. Winston's still a free agent. And then they have Taysom Hill. So... When you don't even know who your quarterback is and you got like a lot around you, like in, I don't know, in question, because you don't know who's going to be back after the cap, I think it's definite fire sale. What do you think, Asher? I think it all kind of depends on what Breeze does, because he did give back, well, like all of his contract to the team, essentially like a veteran minimum. So, I mean, that, that definitely like relieves him of the cap, but... They're still, like you said, they're still way over the cap. I just don't know who they would fire sell. I don't get, like, who they would trade. You would almost consider them fire selling before the season even starts, before they can even become a fire stone. They have to clear all the cap space, so they're pretty much already uh, destined for fire sell. I think they have to get lighter on the defensive end. Their defense is pretty good, but I think that's where they're going to have to trim the money. I don't think you can really look at... um, Michael Thomas, Kamara. I don't think you can really look at too much on the offense to really trim your money away. I think they could probably get rid of someone like Malcolm Jenkins. He's a little on the older end. So do you think they're fire sell or fire stone? I think they're more than likely just going to be fire sell. Fire sell. Uh, what do you guys think about the Patriots? The Patriots are in a unfamiliar territory. They have a lot of cap, but they don't have a core. So if fire sell means that they're going to be like buying and they're going to try and buy cheap, I could see him as a fire sale. As far as them selling anybody and them trying to get rid of key players, I don't see it happening. They don't even have a quarterback right now. Does Cam sign back? Do they ride with Stidham? There's no core to call them Firestone. Yeah, first I agree with you with the fire sale. Um, the most intriguing thing I've seen within the last couple of days is that their plan A, their rumored plan A, is to be or is to go after Jimmy G. So Jimmy G's not even on the roster, but their plan A this offseason is Jim is Jimmy G. That kind of sums up where they're at. It's a very interesting situation in my opinion because they had Jimmy G and wasn't there like a tiff there like Jimmy G and neither the owner or Jimmy G and uh, Belichick didn't get along. No, I the, think Jimmy. I think Belichick wanted to ride with Jimmy G, but uh, maybe the owner was still high on Brady, so they weren't going to pick Jimmy G over Brady. So they moved on with him and got some capital back. 
when his value was high. That makes sense. And they still think Belichick's a winning coach. I mean, he showed it over and over again. So getting Jimmy G back, the guy he wanted in the first place, might ride well. Yeah. So you think they're fire sell. I think they're fire sell. I think they're definitely fire sell. I mean, you're getting, like, a good amount of the defense back that opted out last season. And like you said, they want to go get Jimmy G. I think if they go get Jimmy G and then go sign, like, a wide receiver and a tight end like Janu and maybe like Galladay. I could think they could definitely turn that season around and maybe be like a wild card for sure. Yeah, as Just long a few as pieces away, especially as, after trading for Trent Brown. Yeah, as long as yeah, I agree with you. As long as um Bill Belichick's your coach, I think everyone still has this hope that regardless of who is on the roster or who is the quarterback, they kind of ex- they have playoff expectations for him and the Patriots. For sure. So I don't. There's no. I don't see them being a fire sell in the sense of selling everybody. I see them being a fire sell as coming in with top five cap money and uh, looking to push into the playoffs. I think that's something they're gonna have to do with the way that division's starting to play out. I think they're finally no longer the number one in my opinion in that division. I think it's the uh, Bills. The Bills, yeah. Um. So what do you guys think about the Packers? I think the Packers are fire sale. Is They have a firestone core. I believe Rodgers, Adams, they have a lot of guys who are here to stay and they're not moving, but they have to clear cap. Lindsley's going to go. One of the Smith brothers has to go, like we talked about in our last podcast. Aaron Jones has to go, like we talked in our last podcast. There's a lot of guys who are on the bubble who need to be cut in order to trim the cap. I know the Packers are talking about um, franchise tagging Jones. We'll see if that happens. But in my opinion, they have to sell to get to a certain a certain spot. I think that they are Firestone. I think yeah, they're going to lose a couple guys, but I don't think it's going to be enough to classify them as fire sale. Um, they're what one way one win away from making it to the Super Bowl. I say you, they're not that much over the cap to where they would have to fire sell everybody. A couple restructures and then a couple um, non-re-signings. I think they're um, set and then kind of hitting in the draft, like what we've seen with the Buccaneers do. If they can hit in the draft, bring in um, another corner and maybe another wide receiver, um, they can speak dividends and push that team farther than they went last season I kind of I'm on the your side I think they definitely have a solid core I think they maybe like cut one person and then not sign like Aaron Jones I don't I don't see him tagging him I think they could just maybe hit like one small signing on free agency and then pretty much just hit in the draft like you said because then the offense is good they I think they just need a better like number two wide receiver Draft somebody in like the second round or something, because then you have Tanyan, you have Devonte Adams, you have AJ Dillon and Jamal Williams. Like that's a pretty solid starting core for sure. I think they just need to add like some, a small name to it, maybe pick up the offense. From someone who watches every single Packers game, I think they're missing a number two corner, a number two receiver, uh, an edge rusher. Uh, there's some pieces that they're missing, and that's why we were one game away from the Super Bowl. You get 
a second corner, you get an edge rusher, you get some of those extra things on defense, or even just another weapon for Rodgers, and I think they get over the hump. So that's why, with them cutting the cap that they're going to have to, and I think the weapons that they're going to have to buy or draft, that puts me in the fire sale. What about somebody like the Jags? The Jags, with the, we'll say that what the Jags have probably the most money in the NFL. I say they're Firestone. I say you bring in a couple guys, you don't go crazy in, in free agency, uh, build through the draft, and um, just keep your cap space and build on it, especially with the cap going down this year. I don't think that team's as bad as they maybe get a rap for. I think they're going to draft a quarterback. I think it's going to be very looking up for them. So I would have to say Firestone as well. I think they're not selling the team. They're not really, I don't know, they might be buying. They might be buyers, which would put them at fire sale. But at the same time, I think they're really going to build a core through this draft and maybe sign one or two players. Nothing like big that's going to put them in the fire sale category. I can't agree. I mean, the offense wasn't too bad outside of the quarterback play. I mean, you had James Robinson step in for running back and go over 1,000 yards. The receivers weren't too bad. And then you draft your quarterback in the draft and maybe, like, sign one or two not, like, flash signings because of the cap going down. I think they just kind of take it easy this this offseason, maybe do it a little different next offseason. So we hinted at teams looking at free agents and what they need to do with this Firestone or Fire Sale. But big free agent just came off the board, J.J. Watt. Like, did you guys see the Cardinals at all? I didn't see that coming. I didn't. Um, I saw that early in the period when he first got released, um, DeAndre Hopkins tweeted out to him and said, let's run it back. So, I mean, it's, it wasn't like a complete shock, but you definitely didn't hear about them one, being one of the like top three or five teams. Yeah, in our last podcast, we had talked about the Packers, the Bills, the Titans, possibly the, the Browns. Browns, and we talked about there being a mystery team that offered this $16 million frame. I don't know if that was the Cardinals, because Cardinals are kind of around that ballpark. And then I even heard there was a team that offered more money, and he still went to the Cardinals. Yeah, the Colts and the Browns offered, supposedly there was more money on the table than what the Cardinals offered. But uh, J.J. Watt went ahead and signed with the Cardinals. With, so, a, with a pretty good deal, honestly. I He got a lot more money than I actually thought he was going to take. I thought he was kind of looking more to go towards more of a contender. Not that the Cardinals aren't a contender, but... They didn't even make playoffs this year, and there's all there was also a couple teams um, that were going after him that did make playoffs. So it was a little shock with him signing with the Cardinals. But I think everyone's kind of downplaying that defense. I think the defense is a lot better than what people are giving them credit for, and we'll kind of we'll see that next year. And I'm I think a lot of people are going to be surprised with how well that defense does. If you're JJ Watt, why the Cardinals? He or DM'd. Uh, Kyler Murray, and he said he came to the Cardinals because he believes in Kyler Murray's talent, which is kind of weird, but I think maybe just it's one of the top three best places to play, like in terms of weather. You got Florida, California, Texas, maybe maybe Texas, maybe Arizona. I also think a huge part of it is his familiarity with um, was it Vance Joseph. He played with him in Houston when 
Vance Joseph was the DB coach over there, and he was saying how he liked him as a coach, and then they moved over to Arizona together. What's weird is because you um, you kind of hear about all these players reaching out to him, and they're kind of like pulling him in. You don't really hear that a whole lot, or at least it doesn't get leaked as much as we saw with the Cardinals. Like you saw Chandler Jones's uh, messages to him. He was telling him, hey, if you come here, like, I'll be your personal chef and stuff. Yeah. And then, um, like I said, DeAndre Hopkins and then Kyler Murray and who knows who else, like, messaged him and stuff. What do you think about him being the one to drop the news? I thought that was really cool. The media didn't get to break it. He said, the source of that I'm going to the Cardinals is me. He said, I'm the one telling you, Cardinals. Yeah, source is J.J. Watt. Yeah. That was hella dope. I actually uh, saw his interview. I think it was on Barstools. I wasn't sure where. But he was tell, uh, talking about the process of which he had to go about keeping it a secret. And he went through his brother's high school buddy. And he used his uh, credit card to buy all of the buy all the team shirts so that nobody kind of like, oh my gosh, he's buying this team shirt. He must be signing them. He kind of used him to keep all this under wraps so that he could um, put it out there himself, which was really cool. I don't think we see enough of that nowadays. I think there's so many rumors and leaks that I think it's good when a, a player holds true and keeps it a secret and then tells you themselves. I mean, there's nothing better than the truth from the source, you know? And with J.J. Watt, do you think the Cardinals are now Super Bowl contenders, or do you think that doesn't really change their effect in the division? Or I think they're kind of going to be in the same boat unless they figure out the offense because they, they're not resigning Hassan Reddick and they're just filling in J.J. Watt. So I think they maybe saw that as a plus because they wouldn't have to spend as much on Watt as they would have had to on Reddick. So I think with that extra money, they can maybe go pick up one offensive position to help. Otherwise, I think they'd be a pretty good contender. I think their offense was pretty solid last year. I mean, besides maybe needing somebody in at running back, which I'll get into later. But they have, you're minusing Hassan Reddick, but people are forgetting they just drafted Isaiah Simmons last year, who kind of played to his value. And I'm sure he'll get a, a lot larger role this year. Um, but I think they need to focus on bringing Patrick Peterson back. I think he's like the anchor of that defense. And could you imagine Patrick Peterson, Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt, Isaiah Simmons? Like, that defense is going to be is gonna be a lot. Oh, and Buda Baker. Like, that defense is going to be fast. It's a very talented defense, that's for sure. In my opinion, it does not change anything, really. They're still contenders in the division, yes. But I don't think that makes them... I don't think they were a J.J. Watt away from the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think they're... I think they're more of a team to win one game in the playoffs. And then I think they're kind of, it's more of a shock if they make the championship game. But it's not a shock for them to win one game. I think maybe with him coming in, it's almost like, okay, you got us over the hump. Now we're like a playoff team and maybe could win one game. But I think they're still like what Jacob was saying about a couple pieces away from actually being contenders. I think Kyler Murray has to step up even more than he did last year and um they definitely lost a lot of games that they could they should have won they finished the season out kind of i think like i said i think they're just like maybe a receiver away because i mean you have deandre hopkins and then yeah you have fitzgerald but i mean he's like 
at the end of his career. So it's like if you go pick up maybe like a number two wide receiver, I think that offense can definitely take off and be better than it was. I don't necessarily think it's the wide receivers. They got Christian Kirk there. I see them still bringing back Larry Fitzgerald. There's no way he plays for any other team but the Cardinals. I think they're set on wide receiver. What I was saying, I think it goes to their running back. And their running backs kind of didn't hit until later in the season. But I think you go and spend some money on somebody like Aaron Jones. I think Aaron Jones will kind of get him over that hump. He can be a receiving, receiving threat, uh, three-down type of running back. It'll be interesting to see what they do because, like you were saying, I think they're maybe a one-playoff team because I don't see them beating the Bucks. I don't see them beating the Packers. I don't see them beating the top in that second game. If Aaron Jones leaves and they get Aaron Jones – solid running back who can catch and run. I think that may put them closer, but... I think it'd be a solid signing, for sure. It's definitely going to be... It's going to take more than one piece, and we're going to see how it plays out. Which brings us into kind of our next topic, which is free agents and where they're going to land. Um, some of the top names out there is Hunter Henry, Shaq Barrett, Johnny Smith, talked about Aaron Jones, Bud Dupree, Sherman, Juju, Galladay. I mean... Where do you think some of these guys are going to go? I think, like I said, Aaron Jones, I believe, is going to either go with the Cardinals or we could see a sleeper team like maybe the Bills sign him. Um, he's definitely not going to get paid like Alvin Kamara or uh, Christian McCaffrey. I don't think he's there yet. I mean, he is a beast, and he's only 26 years old. I think the Packers are making a huge mistake by not bringing him back, and they think they're going to get the same value I've talked about it multiple podcasts. They're, they think they're going to get the same value out of their rookie running back and Jamal Williams if they re-sign him, and it's not going to happen. So I think he's going to go to the Cardinals. Johnny Smith, who knows with tight ends and Hunter Henry. Uh, tight ends are so hard. So they, sometimes they just surprise you. They'll sign with a team that overpays them most of the time. Do you think Aaron Jones has the potential to land in um... – the Pats organization, I mean, they love their pass-catching running backs. No, I don't see the Pats. I don't see the Patriots um, paying them. I really don't. Not with all their other holes they yeah, need to fill. I don't. They still. I think they still like their, their running backs they got on their roster right now. The fans might not, but that's a different story. I like the Aaron Jones to the Cardinals. I'm not too sure about the Bills because they have Singletary, who isn't, who's not, he's not great. But he's not bad, and then they just drafted Zach Moss, but that yeah, team but we don't s- run the ball, really, outside of... Well, they can't run the ball. Like, we've seen them in the playoffs having, th- what, 30 yards, 30 rushing yards? Like, if they literally could get, could have got the running game going, it would have took the ball out of Josh Allen's hand, and they wouldn't have had to force the ball passing so much. And I feel like it's Aaron Jones to the Bills is kind of like a sleeper team that I feel like they should look at him, but like you're saying, yeah, I don't see them going out and spending the money on him when they can use that money for other players. Another team I was thinking about with all that cap, the Jets. I mean, you're going to get somewhere. You're either going to go with Darnold or another QB. You bring in a running back that's solid, fill kind of the holes because Gore's getting old. I don't know if he's even going to – how many more years he's going to play. I think with the Jets thing, it's kind of a hangover of just signing Le'Veon Bell and not working. So I don't. I'm not sure if they're gonna go be spenders on another running back in free agency with Aaron Jones. That's very true. I was gonna say the same. But thing I could see the Jets. Really sure, but yeah, I could see the Jets overpaying a wide receiver like Kenny Galladay or a Juju. They definitely need another 
regardless if the quarterback is going to be Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, or Sam Darnold, or even Deshaun Watson. They're definitely going to need another pass catcher. Um, I would definitely see somebody like Kenny Galladay, them overspending on Kenny Galladay, um, where I think maybe he's kind of chasing money a little bit rather yeah. than destination. I mean, he just played in the dog shit Detroit Lions offense for fucking how many years, so we should... Yeah, I don't really... Um, With two of the receivers we talked about last podcast, Godwin and Robinson going off the board with franchise tags, Galladay kind of works his way up the ranks, so... Yeah, Galladay and Juju, both their their values, both of their values become immensely more than what they were. Um, I could see somebody like Juju going to uh, the Raiders. I think the Raiders would be a good spot for him. They tend to have flashy uh, flashy players, like when they had Marquette King as a punter, he would do his little dance after he pinned him on the one. So, I mean, they kind of like that style of player. They had Moss for a minute when he was, you know, talking it up. So, I could see him going to Vegas. I could see Juju for a sleeper team, maybe Tennessee. I've already seen, like, a couple of things about how he'd be a sleeper team there. I feel like it'd be a good fit. Because I feel like Juju's more of a, a great number two and not really a number one, as we've seen with Antonio Brown on the team, Juju lighting up the field. But as soon as Antonio Brown left and he was put for the number one, it was he kind of went downhill. So he'd, yeah. be able, he'd be able to team up with A.J. Brown and that that high-flying offense. I feel, like that'd be a, I feel like that'd be a good destination. I don't really see it happening, but I could definitely see the Titans – Maybe trying for it. It's hard to gauge his value because he was supposed to step up and be the number one this year, and he got outplayed by Claypool, uh, Deontay Johnson. I mean, there were some guys that I felt like I didn't know as well that were outperforming Juju in the end. It just depends what his value is, right? Because if his value is as high as we, as some might think it is, which I think his value is going to be very high they're gonna he's gonna get paid like a number one receiver regardless if we think he is one or not then that's gonna cut out some teams like the titans the titans aren't gonna be able to pay him like a number one wide receiver but if teams think he's a number two wide receiver and not a number one then you could see teams like the titans coming in and paying him that number two money and him signing there but i don't see i see a team overpaying for him like the like i said with the jets with kenny galladay the jets even could overpay juju and he's going to chase the money, and he's just going to go to somewhere where he's going to make bank, regardless of where he's playing at. Do you think it's going to be where he plays well, wherever he goes next? Or do you think he's going to get his money and just kind of fizzle out like we've seen in the past for certain players? It's hard to say. I Maybe think it, it depends. depends yeah, I, I agree. I think it depends who's his quarterback. Because say, like, say he does get overpaid by the Jets, like, and they stick with Darnold. I mean that's not really an ideal spot, but say the Colts, I don't I don't see them overpaying. I don't they haven't really overpaid for anybody, but say the Colts go to it. I mean they have Wentz, so I mean he could definitely but even take the, Juju back up. Let's say he goes to the Raiders, Derek Carr is gonna find him the ball. Derek Carr, dude, Derek Carr fed Nelson Aguilar the ball. I'm positive Juju will get open in that John Gruden offense, and I'm sure he'll get the ball. But yeah, depending on where he goes, that's gonna depend depend on how much production production he has. 
how do you feel about his media presence? People are saying he needs to focus more on football and stop being such like a influencer on TikTok and things like that. I think people should mind their own fucking business. That's what I should think they should do. A lot of people are saying he's too much of a distraction, but he's a human being, right? Let him do what he wants to do. If he plays well on the football field and he wants to go on TikTok, football, let him do it. Yeah, football doesn't have to be this serious thing. Like It brings in different audiences. Like If he... He's just showing who he is as a person. Yeah. Why does he have to stop being himself just because people don't want to see a, a joking manner with the NFL? And it's that, that's stupid. I think it's all fine and dandy when your team's winning. People are like, yeah, it's cool. You know, he's he's doing these things on TikTok. But as soon as you don't perform, people want to like grill you for it. Like, oh, you could be practicing instead of making yeah. TikToks. The only thing I do agree with is the him dancing on like the team's logos and stuff. I do find that a bit disrespective. Disrespectful, I mean. But, I mean, celebrating after catching touchdowns or catching passes or just dancing pregame, that's not just who he is. You can't change that, and he shouldn't change it. What do you think about the beef the Titans and the Ravens had over that? The Titans warm up on the logo of uh, all the NFL teams they play, and then the Ravens, after that interception, ran to the logo to celebrate because they took it as disrespect, even though it was just kind of like a miscommunication. Thing. I'm going to let Asher answer this. He knows more into the details than I do. I didn't really see what our reasoning was for. They they were kind of like all like huddled up on the middle of the field. And I think the Ravens maybe took it a little wrong. It's not like they were dancing. They were just kind of like huddled. But I think the Ravens doing it after the interception, I think. Well, didn't you like, guys have beef before that game, though? Because John Harbaugh and Mike Vrabel were um, were getting into it the first game you guys played, remember? In the playoffs? Like, no, that regular season. That's when it, that's when it happened. Yeah, but he what he's talking about happened in the playoffs. Yeah, the Ravens intercepted the ball and then did it on our field. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, that was retaliation for when we did it at the Ravens game. Yeah, but what you guys... And the, and the whole beef between uh, Harbaugh and Vrabel was in the first game, too. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I get that. And I watched a separate podcast with Taylor Luan, who's the Titans' left tackle, and he was explaining that the players warm up or have a huddle on the other team's logo. It's not even the logo. It's just the center of the field every, every game. And they said they did it the first game against the Ravens. Nobody had a problem because nobody even saw it. And then... They took it disrespectful the second time, and then they went to the logo after the interception. I think they took it disrespectful the second time around because we eliminated them in the playoffs the year before when Jackson was having his MVP year, and no one expected it. So I think they had still like a salty taste in their mouth, so they're like, uh, you guys need to get out of here. And I mean, they've in the playoffs, it's always been like head-to-head between those two teams, like when it was Eddie George and Ray Lewis. So I think they just took it a little more serious than in previous years. And then, like I was saying, with the whole interception, I think they definitely, I saw it as like, oh, it's payback. It's the same, whatever. I didn't really take it any serious, but I think they were just celebrating. I think it's good for the fans. It almost stems a rivalry. Like I agree. It definitely stems a rivalry because we want to see how they react to each other next year. Hopefully it's in the playoffs, not in the regular season, right? Because I think exactly what Jacob was saying it it matters be only because of the game they're playing. They're in the playoffs, right? So the when they reacted, it was the game ceiling interception to kind of uh, beat the Titans in the playoffs, and they were 
definitely a salty about last year's elimination when everyone had him making the Super Bowl and they go out and they lose their first game against the Titans. They wanted all the revenge. I called that game this year. The same. As a fan, I enjoy the pettiness. I think pettiness is what stems rivalries, and I think that one's going to be a fun game to look forward to, and hopefully we uh, see it again here soon so we can talk about it on the pod and talk about the next big clash that happens because of it. I think it's always great to have rivalries in sports. Well, for sure. Because it makes games way more Everyone wants to always talk about like respect and character and all this stuff, but the fans want to see... like. They want to see the rivalry. We don't want everyone to be all buddy-buddy with each other. Like, oh, we're happy just to play these guys or whatever. People turn into certain games because of the two teams that are playing each other. Like, when it's the Eagles and the Cowboys, yeah, the teams have respect for each other, but it's a rivalry. Like, that, regardless of records, the other team wants to beat the other team regardless of anything. Raiders, Broncos, Packers, Bears, I mean... Or in our our area, Raiders, Niners. Regardless, the Raiders and the the Niners have been dog shit for years, but everyone still always tunes in. It's bragging rights. That's what it is. It's it's bragging rights between those teams. teams. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a battle over turf, and that one's interesting. I wish the NFL hyped that kind of stuff up a little bit more than what they do. I mean, like, in the MLB, it's like the subway series between the two New York teams. Yeah. yeah, sports rivalry. Fans are... hate each other from those two games. Exactly. I think it. I think rivalries like that exist more in baseball now, which is crazy than what exists in the NFL. And I feel like people are showing a little bit too much respect for each other. Like we want to see, we want to see that rivalry. I don't want to see anyone go out and try and hurt people, but like you know when they're like trying really hard to. Yeah, but we beat want. Each sh- other. I I want to see some shit talking like during and after well, yeah, the game like. Totally, but I don't want to go see someone take out some knees. No, nobody wants to see. Yeah, no, get we hurt. don't want to see Bounty Gate, but at the same time, we want to see guys like Chad Johnson going up there, telling you what route he's gonna run, and he still catches it on you, and then just talk shit yeah. straight to your face. That's afterwards. why I like watching Jalen Ramsey play because he's kind of like that. You know, he talks the entire game. He'll talk and talk and talk and talk. I loved him versus uh, Adams in that playoff game. They were jawing at each other the whole time. And they were jawing at each other before the game even started. Yeah, and that's the type of stuff, as a fan, we like to watch. We like to watch big hits. We like to watch people talk trash, exciting touchdowns, excitement. So rivalries big hits, and all I'm not, that. I'm not so high on the big hits anymore just because of like how dangerous they are. But rivalry, yeah, like you're saying, rivalry, talking trash, just be – like players being honest like you don't got to act like oh my god i have the tremendous respect for this player and good for that team for winning and then you go in the locker room and you're like are talking all this shit to your teammates about the other guy it's almost like in the ufc how they'll talk shit before the fight and then they'll be on social media afterwards hugging each other like we're best friends like no you didn't squash your beef you either played it up for the camera sometimes you don't see that but most of the time yeah you do see that because in the ufc they follow the hype train that Conor McGregor had, and now you got to build the fight up to something so that everyone tunes in and buys it. Then it jacks up the pay per view numbers, and then at the end of it, yeah, you guys are still friends. But you still do also have rivalries like what we've seen with John Jones and Daniel Cormier. They were kind of at each other's throats. I think the excitement we want, though, is like him versus Diaz or him versus Nurma. Get off, or however you pronounce his last name. Uh, Habib. Yeah. Nurmagomedov. Yeah. So 
those fights where you actually know they genuinely dislike each other were the ones that I was just like, yeah, those are the ones we want. And I think that's the games that we're looking at for football. Exactly. That's what we just really want. Like the Titans and the Ravens. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I, we want to see those teams that genuinely don't like each other play more. Or know, always breeds more excitement. I mean, there's probably a little more penalties, a little more jawing. But, I mean, that's all part of the game, and that's stuff we like to see. So, But back to our top free agents. I mean, we still didn't cover a couple of them, like Bud Dupree and Shaq Barrett. I think the biggest name is Shaq Barrett, now that we've seen that the Bucks um, re-signed Levante David and Godwin, which I honestly didn't think they were going to re-sign Godwin. Or and they tagged Le- him. Or, yeah, they tagged him. So they tagged Godwin, re-signed Levante David. I thought they were moving on from Levante David. They were going to bring somebody else in or draft like a young linebacker to replace him. I feel like those moves almost um, speak volume to what's going to happen with Shaq Barrett. I think he's going to move on and go play somewhere else. I'm going to make a crazy prediction here, and I think the Patriots signed Shaq Barrett. I think it's crazy that their priority wasn't Shaq Barrett. I thought it was going to be prioritize Shaq Barrett over Godwin. and Well, we also don't know where their contract talks were. Because he wanted to get paid. For sure. I think if I was the Bucks, I would have probably bolstered the defense. Because you have Brady, and Brady can throw the ball to anybody. I mean, he's proven this time and time again. So it's just kind of interesting to me that they prioritize. So what do you guys think about my prediction with Patch or the Shaq Barrett going to the Patriots? I think it's possible, but the Patriots... When was, when's the last time the Patriots have been big spenders? I honestly, in my recollection, can't really think of the last time they went out and were just big spenders. Well, how much is he going to demand, though, really? I think he's got big money left in him. I think. But imagine what he could do with the defense. You you know what I'm saying? If they hold on to the pieces, yes. Yeah, like I'm saying, yeah. Hold on to Gilmore. Hold on to your couple other guys. They could even bring back Kyle Vannoy, who the Dolphins just released. Bring him back on a cheap deal just to come play. I think for sure it would be a smart move if they hold on to the pieces and then they go, like you said, get a Van Noy and then get Barrett and really bolster the defense because the offense isn't, it's not anything like super exciting at this moment. And I think you only have like Edelman, don't really have a quarterback. You don't really have too much going on the offense. I think if they had a solid offense, then maybe don't bolster the defense, just continue with the offense. But with the money they have, I think they really need to bolster the rest of the defense because the offense is what it is. What about the Titans, Jacob? What about the Titans going for Shaq Barrett instead of what you said, Juju Smith? How do you feel about that? I would totally be okay with that, especially if we, because I mean, we already cut Adam Humphreys. Say the money works, and they're only able to go be big spenders on one guy, and it's Shaq Barrett. How do you feel about that? I think I'd rather take Shaq Barrett over Juju because the the stuff that comes with Juju, I don't really think I don't really see the Titans completely going with that. I think Shaq Barrett would be a great addition to that defense, especially with having no pass rush. I wanted him two years ago when the Broncos cut him before he signed with the Bucks. I was like, definitely need to go get him. I was like, he's gonna be worth nothing, not really worth nothing, but like little money. I. Totally wanted to see that, and then he went to the Bucks and blew up with was like twenty sacks, yeah. twenty and a half sacks, twenty and a half sacks. I think what you're getting, I think I agree with you, but um, 
I think that the reason why the Bucks aren't going to resign Shaq Barrett is because they still have not agreed on a deal since they signed him. <laughs> they franchise tagged him two years in a row. Yeah, I could, I could, I would definitely like to see Barrett in a Titans uniform. I could see Barrett or Bud Dupree in a Titans uniform, but they're going to have to let Clowney walk first. I would be okay with well, that. Well, Clowney's already a free agent because they only signed him with a one-year deal. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Signing, a pa- signing an elite pass rusher if you're the Titans will solve all your issues instead of going and getting a number two wide receiver. You can go get a number two wide receiver in the draft. That's exactly what You're I not going to go necessarily with. hit on an elite pass rusher late in the dra- late in the first round like you will by signing Shaq Barrett. Do you even really need that strong of a number two when your running back is running for 2,000 yards? Yeah. And uh, I just got a notification saying that we cut Malcolm Butler. So that's a... Uh, I told definitely you. Definitely. Oh, you were it. so high. No, you were so high on Malcolm Butler. And I'm like, dude, Malcolm Butler isn't what you, what you think he is. So you guys definitely need a number two corner now. Well, I wasn't necessarily high on Butler. I thought he, w- he actually did fairly well this season being the number one with uh, Adore Jackson being out for all season. He wasn't amazing, but he was still good. I felt like if we if we kept him and went and signed someone like Shaq Barrett and then like, like Kenny Vaccaro for some cap space, I feel like the pass rush getting to the quarterback would take the ease off of the corners that we had. But I, I'm honestly, I'm fine with the Malcolm Butler cut. Definitely gives us a little more wiggle room in terms of cap space to go sign someone like Shaq Barrett. But you guys are definitely going to have to hit hard on a corner now, though. We drafted Christian Fulton last year. It wasn't too bad. He was, I think he went out on COVID leave like once. But, I mean, he had some flashes, so I think he can definitely develop maybe into a number two. But I'm okay. We should have threw the Titans on that Firestone or Fire Cell list. Because I feel like they're in a weird spot right now where... Uh, we, they're a couple pieces away from being a championship contender, or they're a couple pieces, or they're uh, like not doing a couple pieces away from not even contending. I'll go ahead and do it now, Firestone. I think <laughs> I think they're I think they're a solid team. They're missing like one, maybe two pieces. Like it's nothing that extreme for them to go full sale or full buy. Derrick Henry, like I already said, is rushing for 2,000 yards. He was almost in the MVP, you know, like, voting. If it wasn't so quarterback biased, like, that team's in a good spot. and They're maybe missing one, maybe two guys. I feel the same way. I feel like we're going to see a lot more um, big-name cuts. Yeah. I think we talked about it last podcast with the Cardinals owner. Um, He's saying that there's going to be a seismic, seismic shift um, a seismic shift within top talent free agents and how teams are going to be cutting them based off of where the cap is this year. Um, but some other some other free agents, um, there's definitely a lot of big-name quarterbacks. I don't know if they're all starter caliber quarterbacks, but there's guys like Jameis Winston, Cam Newton, Tyrod Taylor, Alex Smith now just got cut by the uh, Washington football team. Um, some players might be on free agency, like Trubitsky and uh, Jacoby Brissett. Where do you guys see some of these guys landing? I see someone like a Dalton would fit in the Washington football team scheme, and I think he could potentially be a bridge to something. I don't think you're going to make him your franchise, but I think he 
could bridge the gap. Him or Winston would bridge the gap to something like better. I think everyone's idea of what Dalton was wasn't what he showed in Dallas. Dallas has a really good offense, and he just wasn't able to like get it going. And everyone, everyone expected Dalton to come out and be like a like a at least a top twenty quarterback, like you know a starting quarterback in the league. And he definitely did not show that he was a starter caliber in the league. But I like your point about Washington. Um, I didn't really think about him going to Washington. I kind of more thought of maybe somebody like Cam Newton going to Washington because of uh, being familiar familiar with uh, Ron Rivera. Um, what do you think, Asher? I think I could see maybe Cam going to Washington and along with Dalton, especially Cam knowing uh, Ron Rivera would be like a little reunion. Who knows, it might spark Cam's uh, career, but not like what it was previously. I mean, we're all about reunions on this podcast. We were talking about Wentz with Frank Reich and then Cam with Rivera. So, I mean, does that make them better quarterbacks once they link back up with their coaches that put them in MVP form? No. Both scenarios is the same. I mean, it's kind of similar. Wentz was in his MVP form with Reich and then... uh, I think Wentz is at a different point in his career than where Cam Newton is, though. I think Cam Newton is like... He could be a starter, but I don't think he should be a starter. Yeah. That's why Washington is, like, the best fit for him, in my opinion, because they, they're they going to have a quarterback battle with Tyler um, Taylor Heineke and Heineke, I mean, and somebody else. So bring in either Dalton or Cam Newton, in my opinion. Um, I think the most interesting name is Jameis Winston. Everyone has him just staying with the Saints, but what if the Saints can't figure out the cap space or if Drew Brees comes back or if maybe they just want to ride out Taysom Hill for a year? Where do you guys see him going? Winston, he's he's good. He showed that he can throw for 40 touchdowns. I mean, he had an interception problem where he seemed to be blind at times, but he got his laser eye surgery, and I if I'm the Jets, I mean, maybe I'm looking at Winston over Darnold if they decide to move on. I don't think they're going to. I think they're going to ride out Darnold or look to the draft. What about Winston to the Bears? I think that's the I think the Bears is his best option besides the Saints. If I'm the Bears, I'm going full run at Wilson right now. And then maybe in that schematics, maybe that opens up one of these guys to go to Seattle. But I think that's the Bears got to be all in on. So you're saying Jameis Winston's best bet is the Jets instead of the Saints? Yeah. The who Saints. has Sam Darnold, who also could be going for Deshaun Watson, who holds the number two pick in the draft and could take a quarterback like Zach Wilson, but you think it's Jameis Winston they should go with? Well, the problem is we don't know where Winston, or not Winston, uh, Deshaun Watson or Wilson's going to go. And that really affects the market. Yeah, but we're not even talking about like Russell Wilson. Yeah, yeah, we're not even talking about Russell Wilson though. I don't think they make do you, for Wilson at all. Zach Wilson, a, co- a free agent in the draft, or not a free agent, a rookie in the draft, is better than Jameis is a better option than Jameis Winston, in I, my opinion, for the Jets. I'm ta- I'm keeping Sam Darnold instead of going out and getting Jameis Winston. Same yeah, here. that's where. Okay, that's what I'm saying is I would keep Sam Darnold with the Jets, but if they're not going to, he's. I think Winston is better than looking into the draft. I'm 
I do not like the Jets going into the draft in the draft for quarterbacks. I it's a situation we've seen all too often. I think they ride out. Why their 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 team is set to rebuild with a new quarterback if it's not Sam Darnold. What is bringing in Jameis Winston going to do for the team? That team isn't a playoff team. I can see what you're saying with Winston, but after seeing him do do doing what he did in because you're gonna have to. What are you Bucks, gonna? I just I wouldn't want to go that route, especially his thirty for thirty season. I just I would rather go draft someone, in my opinion. Even another team, I think that's possibly in that same tier, is the Niners or the Pats. If Garoppolo See, ends up going to the Pats, then they're gonna need a quarterback. Yeah, but the, okay, look, okay, I agree with you on the Pats and the Niners with Winston. But let's look at this: the Pats and the Niners are in a different spot than what the Jets are in. Yeah, I'm saying it's a possibility. I'm not saying I think he should go there or that's what's going to happen. But that's what I was asking you. I I don't think that he's going to go to the Jets. I was just saying that's a potential landing spot given they're uncertain with their quarterback. I wouldn't go draft. I just don't understand why you would go, Why if you're not going to go with Darnold and you're not going to get Wilson or Win- Watson, instead of drafting a quarterback, you're going to go sign Jameis Winston. I, don't, I just don't I understand Winston's that. I think better than everybody gives him credit for. Yeah, I maybe think, with the Niners. I think a sleeper team that Winston could probably go to would be the Broncos. The Broncos is a possibility, but... The Broncos I, are the weirdest team that nobody ever talks about. Yeah. I mean, they were in on the trade for Wentz, so they're well, obviously... they weren't. They, well, I mean, people okay, thought I they I, were. Yeah, I guess people said that they could be, like, a sleeper team, but... I mean, the Broncos have Drew Locke, so I think like, they need to depend, determine what they're going to do with Drew Locke. Because I don't think Drew Locke's that bad. I think that team's bad. If I'm the Niners, I am selling Garoppolo, trying to get him to the Patriots for something good, then probably signing Winston. You have a pretty talented team there, and I think Winston could get it done. I think he could have another big season. He just hasn't really had the opportunity. I mean, he's he, had plenty of opportunity. Would you rather build? Would you rather draft a quarterback? Or would you rather take Trubitsky, since you don't want to draft a quarterback? I'm drafting a quarterback. I just do not like Trubisky. <laughs> I don't know if that's my Packer bias, but it's your Packer bias. I, Trubisky has not looked. My Packer that bias good. is tingling. <laughs> All right, what do you guys think about um, uh, Tyrod Taylor or Alex Smith? I've heard rumors, and me and you talked about this yesterday. How it's probably untrue at this point. But I heard rumors about Tyrod maybe battling for the Jalen Hurts position, but then we were talking about how your guys' owner wants to move forward with Hurts and not have a quarterback competition. So, I think he could be a solid number two behind Hurts if something was to happen. I think be like the, the same kind of like a skill set in a way. Like they're both like yeah, little yeah. scramblers. So I feel like it wouldn't you wouldn't have to be like, oh Jalen Hurts is out, but. We have Dalton, who is dirt slow. You he might be to a little bit too expensive, though, depending yeah. on what we're willing to pay and what he wants. But um, on the same note, I think the reason why I threw, or the reason why I kind of want to talk about Jacoby Brissett was because of his, him being on the Colts and his familiarity with our, our head coach now, Nick Sirianni. I think Jacoby Brissett could be somebody we, or the Eagles, take a hard look at for their number two option over... Uh, Tyra Taylor or Alex Smith. I can see maybe Brissett going back to the Patriots. 
I don't see that as a possibility. I do see Brissett possibly being a backup for um, the Eagles. And I think, kind of like you said, you don't have to tweak the whole offense if Ertz goes down because Brissett can do some of the similar things that Hurts can do. So, Bert, uh, Bird was high on Alex Smith going to the Patriots. What do you guys think about that? I think he fits. He's there. He's not as mobile as he once was. He's a pocket quarterback. He can't even throw fuck, more than 10 yards downfield, though. What's so the Patriots Brady? offense? <laughs> I mean, Brady can... He can throw it down the field. He proved that against the Packers. I wish we could go back. I wish we could go back to when everyone was talking about if the Patriots should keep Tom Brady or not, and everyone was saying, oh, get rid of him. And now we're all playing a quarterback carousel minigame of which free agent quarterback the Patriots should sign and which ones they should not. And we now have Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl. Like, this speaks dividends on what the Patriots should have done two years uh, year ago. The situation with Tom Brady is me playing Madden on franchise mode. I get bored winning six rings, so I trade myself to another team, and then I go win another ring. That's Tom Brady. Yeah. Well, the Patriots made a huge mistake. Yeah. Talking about the Patriots, they do have the, what, the third most cap, the third most money this year for free agency. So I think them with the Colts, I would say out of the top five teams, they're the most likely to be in the playoffs next year. I I can see that. I don't I don't see the Jags making the playoffs. I can see them maybe improving to maybe like a five win team, six win team. The Jets, I just the Jets I is just like just a fat question what, mark. Yeah, it just determines if they go trade. For the Watson. Jets should just go in and change their logo to a question mark. I agree. I think if we're talking about the five teams with the most cap. And which one's gonna make playoffs? I think you gotta put Colts one, and Washington's right there. Washington has that not solid if they miss defense. on a quarterback though. If they're gonna ride out Taylor uh, Tyler he- uh, Heineke, why am I messing up on his name so much? Tyler Heineke. They're gonna ride him out. Now you have Dak rejoining the Cowboys. They're they're in full win now mode for the next four years, even though they have no money or defense. Um, or defense, yeah. I feel like they are kind of in a different spot than what the Colts and the. I'd rather be a. I'd rather be the GM or the owner of the Patriots than than uh, Washington right now. I think Washington has to be in win now mode and has to force that division to kind of play to their. Um, like their strengths. I so think. are they going to be contenders in the division next year? Or was this just kind of a fluke season where that division was so bad that they were just the team that made the playoffs? Because the Cowboys almost won that. The Cowboys and the Giants, all all three teams had a chance to win that division the last week. So we could be, we could be thinking different of Washington if they didn't win the division, right? If Washington didn't win the division, would we still be thinking them as being a playoff team next year with – uh, number four in cap? Probably not, but because they did what they did and their defense looked really strong at times, I put them... I almost put them at taking the division. I don't think the Cowboys are anything really to write home about, especially with Mike McCarthy as their head coach. I yeah, mean, but you're not going to take Chase Young and throw him in at quarterback. Yeah. Like, I, who's going to be throwing the ball? Well, they've got plenty of options. I kind of I kind of agree with you, Gage. I see the Washington being a little bit better. 
than the I Cowboys? Well, I they, think they're they right in the same high. boat as the Cowboys. I think, uh, yeah, I think they're in the same boat. With Taylor... I don't like the Cowboys' defense at all. It was horrendous last year, and I was forcing the uh, Cowboys to throw the ball constantly. And I think the Washington defense was solid enough to maybe kind of tone down the defenses, or I mean the Cowboys' offense. I think if Washington hits on a quarterback, they can easily win that division. Yeah, Who are they going to hit on, though? That's the thing. Tyler Henneke. They're not gonna. They're gonna hit on Tyler Hineke. Hineke probably won't even be able to dot up freaking Cowboys defense. The Cowboys offensive line isn't what it used to be either. With Chase Young and that defense, I think they give the Cowboys a run for their money. I think Washington sure. is a seven-win team, and they're gonna be like that for the next three years. I think I that's bold. Eight games. I can see them improving. Huh? So I think that's bold. I think they're. Definitely at nine wins. For I think sure. the Eagles have more wins in Washington next year. Hot take. Bam. I, I'm not sure. I, <laughs> I don't, I don't see it. No, I don't see it happening. I think it's gonna be Washington this, finishes last in the division next year. This will be my hot take. Washington wins the division. Cowboys come in second. Eagles come in third. No, the Giants have a very good young defense. Washington last place in the division, sending it. I think that's your ego bias. Jets and, <laughs> Jets, and ja- Jets and Jags, they uh, lead the top five teams with the most money to spend. But they're kind of more on the rebuild side than the Pats, Colts, and Washington. I think the most interesting team, like I was saying, is the Patriots because I didn't think they had as much cap space as they actually do. So it should be interesting. I think if we're going to talk about a team hitting on a quarterback and making the playoffs, it should be the Patriots, not Washington. The Patriots hit on a quarterback, I would give them – um, at least a wild card spot. The question sure. mark I had was, so the Jags get Lawrence, does Gardner Minshew ever play another snap? Ever For again? For another team? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. maybe on I a don't, team that doesn't have a quarterback. I didn't think Gardner Minshew was that bad, honestly. It was super hyped up, Minshew mania, like people were wearing the beards, the little mustache oh, to the stadium. That's just the fan base get, having fun with somebody. I mean... Would you rather have Minshew or Mariota? Mariota. I mean, they're both backup quarterbacks. Yeah, but now. Minshew's a lot younger. It's that it's that situation where are we going to see Mariota as a starter somewhere? Are we going to see Minshew as a starter somewhere? Mariota's the new Tyra Taylor. Is he? Do you think Mariota started his last game, or do you think we're going to see it somewhere? I think he's not on our was, list. I think if he was to, well, he's. He's technically still on the Raiders. That's yeah. why. He's, but, I uh, think he will start another game. But I, I think he could start another game. For another team, and I feel like it could honestly be like a Tannehill situation where maybe just a change of scenery is all he needed. And I think he could have definitely did that in L, uh, in Las Vegas had Carr not still be on the team. Do you, but, do you think it takes an injury for somebody to go grab him and start him? No. Or do you think before this season or maybe before the trade deadline this year he's on a new team? Yes. He's on a new team before the season starts. They're gonna see. release the Raiders are gonna release him. He's gonna sign with a new team, and the only time he's gonna play is if the starter of that team gets hurt. Well, I mean, unless you're like, unless he goes to someone like the Pats or Washington, he's more than likely gonna start on the Patriots. Dude, the Washington. Patriots are gonna have to go through like Plan A, B, C, D, well, and E before yes. they hit Mariota as their quarterback. I could see, like. I wouldn't even really say a sleeper. It's just like an off-the-wall pick. But say the Raiders do release Mariota, 
I could see him maybe going to Washington because he's kind of like that Cam Newton kind of player, just not big like Cam Newton. And that's what Rivera run. Ron Rivera had in Cam Newton, but I, and he can throw the ball a little better than Newton as of right now. A sleeper question team for Mariota. What do you see about him maybe going to Miami and competing either for Tua's job or as a backup when Tua doesn't hit like they wanted him to, and then he comes in halfway through the season? Tua's not going to be the starting quarterback for the Dolphins next year. Who's going to be it's the starting quarterback? It's going to be Deshaun Watson. I could see a hot take number two. Clip that. Be like <laughs> Chicago, if they if they can't go get somebody big named. I could Chicago. See I see Mario to the Chicago. That's a pretty good one. I'd root for the Bears over your Packers. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> but I can definitely see that being a super team. Oh. The offense is good with Allen Robinson. They got young receivers in a, uh, but Darnell Mooney. Yeah, Darnell yeah. Mooney. The and, new uh, Tyree Kill. Yeah, <laughs> and the other younger younger one they had that they just recently drafted, but and then they have David Montgomery, who's a not the greatest running back, but he's definitely solid. And then they have Tariq Cohen. They franchise tag. Alan they're not Robinson, gonna go but... after Mariota. They're gonna go. Well, they're obviously. gonna wait. They're gonna watch. They're gonna wait. They seem like the number one team for Russell Wilson. Everything I'm seeing, they seem like the one team that's like all in on him, and they're gonna stay that way. So I feel like they're gonna just hold out, and they're gonna wait, and they're gonna wait. And I'm not going to say I'm going to see them going and getting him because I think Russell Wilson's just going to stay with the Seahawks, but I wouldn't be surprised. But um, free agency is going to be very interesting. I think it's going to be like a shift, and I feel like we're going to have a lot of sleeper teams next year kind of getting into that extra playoff spot that they incorporated. Um, but they were talking about changing some of the int- the teams, introducing some rule changes. A couple interesting rules that we did see was them still trying to figure out how they want overtime to work. Uh, what are you guys' opinion on that? I do not like overtime the way it is. I think one quarterback getting the ball, going down and scoring kind of sucks. I mean, there's been several times where Rodgers doesn't even get the ball and we lose because our, our defense... bias is tingling. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> Don't worry, I'm about to talk about... But, um... Anyways, Rodgers doesn't get the ball, and our defense lets us down because our defense has been super hit and miss for my existence of life. And so I think my solution to it would be, like, four downs from the 20, and then whoever scores, and then if you play defense, another, you know, that type of thing. Whoever is the first one to score four downs from the 20, and then the other team gets a chance to score, and then... Whoever makes the first defensive stop is the one who wins, basically. What do you think? Well, what you were going with, like, the whole, uh, the second team possibly not even getting the ball, that was, like, the Titans and Texans overtime game in the last game of the season where we won the toss, and you can see Deshaun Watson, like, mouthing, like, oh, fuck, like, because Derrick Henry's on the field, like, are we really even going to get the ball? They didn't. But I can definitely see something like, I feel like it should honestly be kind of, like how it is instead of, oh, the first team scores, the second team is screwed. I feel like if the first team scores, the second team should get the ball. If they don't score, they lose. If they score, and it goes kind of back. I saw a super weird rule that they were trying to come up with where the team who wins the toss gets to pick where the ball gets placed, and then they 
run it like a normal game from there. And so you could literally pick the ball and set it on the one, basically. And then they have to play defense from the one. And then the other team gets the same opportunity to score from the one. It's just kind of like... Yeah, that's pretty outrageous. I think that's just too complicated. My take on it is exactly what Asher's saying with it. Um, I know some people want it to kind of go where college does it with it's just they just keep going until one team can't match the other points that the other team does but the NFL doesn't want that to happen because they don't want games to be drugged out and they don't want that's uh, more likely for injuries to happen so I kind of think they should go in um, give both teams the chance to score the ball so say uh, one team goes down they get the ball they go down they score a touchdown now you allow the other team to at least score a touchdown if they cannot score a touchdown then the game's over but say they score a touchdown um, then it turns into kind of sudden death and what we see now with... Um, Whoever scores wins. Yeah, like or a, say the... scores the first two possessions. Yeah, or say the first team goes down, they score a field goal. The next team goes down, they can score a touchdown to win the game. Or say the first team gets the ball, they get stopped, the other team goes, they kick a field goal, I still think they, they should be able to win on that field goal. Or if they score a touchdown, they should be able to win on that. Well, what do you think about like an 8-10 to 10 minute overtime of just solid it's just like a whole nother quarter what no. if no one scores is it a tie game i think the problem with that is we're getting back into injuries and the game being too long like just make it two do- two downs like you can even pull this into the red zone just have them both start on the 20 yard line the 30 yard line yeah that kind of like what college does but don't have it into a thing and then if you want to turn it into a type of mini game type of thing where fans like to see if one team scores a touchdown the other team turns a- scores a touchdown Pull out the kickers. We're not worried about the kickers getting hurt. Yeah. We'll line up the kickers at the 50-yard line, and we'll have a kickoff between the two kickers and see who misses a field goal first, kind of like what soccer does with penalty kicks. Yeah. We'll have a penalty kick with kickers. That's almost like a mini-game kind of aspect that uh, fans will turn into watching. You can almost even turn it into a type of uh, uh, sports betting or something at the end of games. Well, if that's the case, I don't want Gostkowski back in my game. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? They uh, This has been mulled around for a while. Of, on a kickoff, Like uh, if they make it through the uprights on a kickoff, it's like a point or something. I've never liked the idea, but like it's been talked about for like the longest time. Do you think that would be something that would make the game more interesting, or do you think that no. would just... Because that the defense has no chance of actually even defending that. That's just solely on the kicker being able to put the ball through the uprights. I don't agree with that. Can almost guarantee a nine point, like a nine point score every time, or like a eight point score because you kick yeah, the field goal. Yeah, I don't then... like that at all. Because the defense hasn't. I mean, if the defense had a chance of blocking it, yeah, but they don't have even a chance of blocking it or nothing. It's literally whether yeah. your your guy has the leg and accuracy to kick whether it. Whether or not you have just. They should just get not. rid of the. They should just get rid of the kickoff and just place it on the twenty five. Yeah. Or the thirty, but um, another rule change is with the onside kick, because the onside kick nowadays is just so broken. Like, pretty much if your team's in the need of going down scoring and needing an onside kick, you know it's not gonna happen. There's a couple times when teams do get it and return it, and yeah, there is kickers that are really good at it, but. I feel like if you're going to change any rule, it would be uh, trying to figure out how we can fix the onside kick rule. And the um, the Eagles actually proposed the rule again this year, which is a 4th and 15 uh, play. They can only use it once, which is I feel is kind of weird. Um, so pretty much you are 4th and 15 on the 20, and if you convert that, then you just keep going with your drive. But if you don't convert that, 
then the other the opposing team kind of starts where you got it, which is is weird. Where so they're gonna start on the twenty. If I was gonna make changes, then my suggestion with that rule would probably be, um, I kind of like the the fourth and fifteen kind of kind of rule, but I don't like the other team starting where you left off. So if we Almost could like a turnover on down. Yeah, kind of where we could figure out where the other team would start. I feel yeah. like that'd be interesting. Is it a live down though? So what if you throw a slant, break a tackle, and you're gone for a touchdown on that? Yeah, so that 15? would it would still count That's because you yeah because you start because you start where you start where the um, where you ended where that play ended. Yeah. That's where your drive starts. I would be totally okay with that, but like you were saying, oh now they get the ball on my twenty, they're twenty yards away from scoring. I feel like. I mean, I get that's the whole point of an onside kick because, you know, that won't really matter, but... Yeah, but I mean, like, you can always, if you don't get it, just put them on the 50. But if if you're going to do it that way, where you can be on the 20-yard line, say you saved your onside kick till the very end and you're only three points down, now you get to kick a field goal? Like Exactly. That's, that's why I don't like that whole aspect of moving the team over, but I do like the aspect of a fourth and 15 kind of giving a team a chance at converting it and yeah but i don't like the fact of you only being able to use it once so when you maybe like twice a game but the compromise is say you place them at the 50 or whatever and they don't convert the fourth and 15 the other team just gets the ball at the 50 now you like really screwed up your kick then basically well where would teams no, no, normally get the ball on onside kicks though right around the 30 or the 40 yeah say you kicked an onside kick and you didn't recover it the other team would get it on the 30 or the 40 right so the twenty's not too far out there. Maybe the forty yard line because that's still what a fifty something yard field goal. Yeah. So, but even then, I mean, if you have the right kicker like Justin Tucker, you're literally in every game if you just save your onside kick. But till in the end. some instances, like I said, if you don't get the onside kick, the game's over regardless. Yeah. No, so. but uh, were you talking about how what I was saying with the placing of the ball? Yeah. So I would say. No, I'm saying what I meant was they. The team that decides to not kick the ball and go for the fourth and fifteen, they they put it on their like own twenty five, like if they were to receive a kickoff or whatever, and then they do it from there. But if they don't get it, then the team that was playing defense gets it at like the forty or fifty. Yeah, that's what I said. Okay, so like I, I thought, you, so you start at the twenty five. It's fourth and fifteen. If you convert, if you don't convert the fourth and fifteen, the opposing team now gets the ball at the forty five or something. Okay, I thought you meant the team kicking the ball. Or no, like, the other that would be too much placing. Oh, I get, I start at the 20, I convert it, now I'm going to put the ball back at the 50. That's just too much yeah. moving. But yeah, so the team that the team that decides they want to uh, do it, they start at the 25. If they convert the 4th uh, and 15, they keep it. If they don't convert it, the other team starts at like the 45. Which is like you said, where, about where you About would where the, you would get the onside kick. Onside yeah. kick, yeah. I would be okay with that because, I mean... You rarely see onside kicks get recovered. It's like if the if the player that's catching the ball has like butterfingers and it just completely like just bounces out of their hands. But I mean, how often is that? Well, rules changed so much that it's it's almost impossible nowadays. Young Waiku got like three back in a row, which was just like completely unheard of. But other than that, with the new rule changes, it's not likely. No, it would be cool to see something. Uh, along the lines of a rule change. The um, this is kind of off topic, but the fan controlled league, for their extra points, they do a uh one on one. So the quarter, so somebody hands the quarterback the ball, 
because they don't want a center on the field. So they just hand the quarterback the ball. And it's one wide receiver versus one DB. And it's almost like a three-yard play or on the one. Oh, that'd be to cool. Convert, uh, on, to convert to do an, uh, the extra points. How long is the the clock, though? So, like, I mean, the QB's not being pressured. How long does the receiver have to run? I don't before? know. Like five seconds, maybe? Probably, like, three or five seconds. Yeah, like a, a traditional pocket. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's interesting. That's one way to look at it. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. For uh, two-point conversions. But then you have guys, like, that's when you have Devontae Adams, who's, like, one of your best route runners, or Cooper, or somebody like that. Just What if you could, yeah, like, almost implement... Number one on it. It's just number one. Yeah. It's number one. It's and like, there we get the, the trash talk and stuff. But what if we could? they could almost implement that, like, maybe once a game? You could use that once a game. Yeah. But I don't know. I just thought it was a cool cool little aspect to change things up and something that I feel like the NFL should take things from like the XFL when it comes back or what they did do and like the fan controlled league and kind of incorporate it in their league to kind of change things up a little bit. Um, but our last topic was about something that kind of hit closer to home and we'll kind of let Gage with his Packer bias talk about it. So Aaron Rodgers first donated 500000 to the Barstool Fund and that was to help businesses who had been affected by COVID. Well, State Farm said they would match it. And then he finally said, I'm going to donate another 500000 So he ended up donating a total of $1 million to small businesses in our home area of Butte County, the Chico and Paradise area, which has been affected by COVID. It's been affected by a fire. And he helped over 80 businesses by doing this. And... If you go on his Instagram, you get to see his personal calls with these people. And it's just such a good story. It's so enlightening to see the MVP and what he's doing off the field. Some people may hate him. Some people may love him. But it was just something that was close to home that really is cool to see him do because people in this area really look up to him and like what he's doing. I think it's always cool to see uh, big-time players like that get back to their home area. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's, it's awesome to see players give back. And then it's also a lot different when your favorite team is the Packers, like Gage, and you kind of idolize Rodgers. And he's also from your uh, hometown and where you live. So it kind of just full circle and makes everything just something awesome to talk about. I think we, it's really cool because I'm sure a lot of players do this, but we we don't see it a lot because it's not directly in the media. And since it was our area this time and it was a player who grew up in this area went to high school in this area went to junior college in this area it was really cool to see his reaction and everybody's reaction seemed so genuine it seemed like a really uh, wholesome experience what do you guys think about the beer this this go around so we're gonna kind of implement a new grading scale we haven't been really kind of grading the beers we've been drinking on the podcast um, so we're going to give it a, what we like to call a solo cup rating. So we're going to do one out of five solo cups, five being like top notch. This is fire. This is lit. One being dog shit getting started. So I would say, so the nitro Merlin milk stout, I'm not a fan of stout beers, but I feel like this one was pretty smooth. I would probably rate it like maybe a two and a half solo cup. Two and a half out of five. Since we're doing halves, I was I was <laughs> I was at a three, but I was thinking three and a half is where I would have liked to have been. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a darker beer. It's kind of in a comparison like a Guinness, but it's 
It was smooth, had that kind of oatmeal, coffee-ish taste, and I actually liked it a lot, but it's not upper epsilon of beers to me, and I'm not a huge stout drinker, so it was something out of my comfort zone, and then I enjoyed it. I think I would probably give it like a three. When you first poured it and I took a drink, it actually wasn't that bad. Like, I, I didn't... I thought, seeing how dark it was, I was like, oh, I'm probably not going to like this, but it actually wasn't too bad. But yeah, it's not, kinda, like, a top for me. Yeah, it's it kind of as it sat, it, uh, it wasn't as great. But you probably need to drink it a little bit faster than what we were drinking since we are talking during the entire podcast. But I think if you definitely like stout beer, I would definitely check it out. Um, I'm not much of a stout drinker. I kind of like something that's more... Um, lighter and crisp that I can uh, sip on. I feel like this kind of has its own special place with maybe like a certain meal you're eating or maybe like later at night or something. We'll plug two beers in one podcast here. Firestone Walker also makes 805, which is a light beer, which is one of my favorite lighter beers out there. So this is why I chose this company for this podcast was they had a milk stout that was different than 805 and I brought it in and like I said, I don't really have too much bad to say about it. It wasn't my favorite, but it wasn't like bottom of the pack either. Yeah. Uh, uh, lastly, shout out to Jin for uh, telling us our next beer to try. We're definitely going to go try to find that and bring that to our next um, episode. If you guys want to recommend a beer for us to try or let us know how we're doing with our podcast um, or any of your takes on any of the topics we talked about, go on our Facebook. Uh, we also have our Instagram going. We're trying to build that up. You can find our podcast on Spotify, uh, also Anchor. It's on Anchor. Uh, Thanks for tuning in this week. We'll catch you on the next one.